afternoon, and thank you for joining us for GoDaddy's fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings call. I'm Mark Grant, Vice President of Investor Relations. With me on the call today are Aman Bhutani, Chief Executive Officer, and Ray Winborn, Chief Financial Officer. Following prepared remarks by Amon and Ray, we will open up the call for your questions. If you would like to ask a question on today's call, please use the raise hand feature in the webinar to be added to the queue. On today's call, we'll be referencing both GAAP and non-GAAP financial results and operating metrics, such as total bookings, unlevered free cash flow, normalized EBITDA, net debt, and gross merchandise volume. A discussion of why we use non-GAAP financial measures and reconciliations of our non-GAAP financial measures to their GAAP equivalents may be found in the presentation posted to investors.godaddy.net or on our Form 8K filed with the SEC with today's earnings release. The matters we'll discuss today include forward-looking statements, which include those related to our future financial results, new product introductions and innovations, partner integrations, our ability to integrate acquisitions and achieve desired synergies, changes to executive leadership, as well as the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our business, customers, and employees. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that are discussed in detail in our documents filed with the SEC. Actual results may differ materially from those contained in the forward-looking statements. Any forward-looking statements that we make on this call are based on assumptions as of today, February 11, 2021, and we undertake no obligation to update these statements as a result of new information or future events unless required by law. With that, here's Amon. Thanks, Mark. And thank you all for joining us today. GoDaddy exists to empower everyday entrepreneurs. Our mission is to make opportunity inclusive for all. And the shift to digital represents the greatest opportunity for our customers to share their gifts with the world. With a differentiated offering, including guidance and tools with an intuitive, seamless experience, specifically designed and built for our customers, it is clear why customers continue to adopt our products and ask us for more. Everyday entrepreneurs are creative and resourceful, and they want to be able to focus their time on their business. From domain names to email and content creation to commerce, and soon to include payments and point of sale, customer focus for us is about building a seamlessly intuitive experience that saves them time and unlocks capabilities through ease of use. In 2020, a digital presence was key for our customers, and the increased demand led to accelerating bookings growth for the last three quarters for us. For 2020, GoDaddy neared $3.8 billion in bookings and topped $3.3 billion in revenue. We leaned into the surging demand with marketing spend, and while we kept it efficient, the result was our best year of net customer ads, except 2017, which included the HEG acquisition. We welcomed nearly 1.4 million net new customers in 2020. By providing valuable products and offering the best care, we have also been able to maintain stable renewal rates. And our churn metrics, well, those have always been low and they still found room to improve in 2020. Early last year, we spoke about our natural evolution into commerce. Everyday entrepreneurs are underserved and demand this from us, and our investments have been focused on the simplest 
and most relevant commerce experience. No doubt, commerce continues to be a giant opportunity for us. Internally, we are also evolving. We have made significant progress in implementing a broader experimentation program that allows us to more clearly measure the value we are creating for customers and deliver functionality faster. The discipline of measurement allows us to set more ambitious goals while also giving us the confidence to achieve them. We are moving faster, putting more products in the hands of more customers and winning the right to do more for them. Our leadership team is also evolving. 2020 was a year of milestones and career-defining achievements for many GoDaddy leaders. After having truly accomplished Herculean tasks both in 2020 and over their respective careers, our Chief Legal Officer Naima Kelly and our Chief Financial Officer Ray Winborn have each expressed a desire to retire at some point this year. They continue to be fully engaged with the company and will help with transition as we look to fill their incredibly big shoes. We have a strong leadership team with talented, tenured folks, and with continued leadership from Naima and Ray, we expect a seamless transition. We have strong internal candidates, and we will be looking for external candidates for both roles as well. With acceleration in the numbers and also in our internal operating rhythm, I want to share three priority areas where GoDaddy will be bringing innovative solutions to our customers in 2021. Our top priority is commerce, and 2021 is the year we will bring to market a holistic solution for everyday entrepreneurs that powers every facet of their online and offline commerce experience. In 2020, we created strong customer value with our commerce tools, and GMV for Websites Plus Marketing and Sellbrite grew 75% year over year. In 2021, GoDaddy will extend our current offerings with a focus on delivering omni-commerce solutions. Earlier this week, we closed on the Point acquisition. And as you know, Point extends our commerce offering with a set of products that span the full spectrum of commerce enablement. Point brings us payment capabilities as a payment facilitator and brings immense value to our customers through its innovative point-of-sale terminals, inventory management software, loyalty management tools, and more. Point and GoDaddy customers are already seeing great success, represented by the combined $23 billion in annualized GMV that already flows through our platforms. As we integrate and build the GoDaddy commerce platform, its scale will be backed by the 6,000 guides that are ready to provide guidance we know our customers need. To help drive focus and continued momentum in commerce, we have created a new commerce division within GoDaddy. Point CEO Osama Bedier has joined GoDaddy and will lead this new division, reporting to me. The next priority I want to share is about our pro customers. We already have a large group of designers and developers that are GoDaddy customers, but we know the opportunity is much, much larger. Last year, our partners team, whose sole focus is to create value for designers and developers, went back to first principles. 
deep research into the customer needs led to a new set of solutions organized in three pillars. The first pillar is all about a seamless, intuitive experience in the tool set we offer. In January, we launched the Hub for GoDaddy Pros, where website designers and developers can perform their work in a simple, intuitive way that saves them time and money. The Hub enables bulk updates across hundreds of sites for WordPress core, plugins, and themes, allowing pros to roll out updates for better security, new functionality, and better availability. What may have taken hours now takes seconds and even works on WordPress sites not hosted by GoDaddy. Pros can also use the Hub's built-in project management tools and make it easier than ever to deliver customized sites for their clients. The Hub lets pros manage all of their clients in one place and built-in delegated access allows pros to collaborate with their clients more effectively to drive the results their customers want to see. The second pillar is all about care. Pros have told us that they value the kind of guidance and care we offer, and they want us to do more. We have extended our care to support pros for all their WordPress sites, not just the ones they host with us. With additional care guides armed with a higher level of training to support these pros, we are ready for the unique needs of this customer population. The third pillar brings it all together through marketing. With millions of pros out there, we have planned a marketing launch to tell them about the added value and capabilities we are bringing forward. It all begins with the launch of the GoDaddy Pro program. Signing up to be a GoDaddy Pro gets pros access to exclusive discounts for themselves and for their clients and direct access to the most advanced guides directly through the hub, speaking their language exactly the way they want it. GoDaddy Pro is live in the U.S. with its first marketing campaign, and in April, we will be hosting our first virtual GoDaddy Pro conference. And we're just getting started. Look out for more benefits of being a GoDaddy Pro and its global launch. The three pillars together embrace the needs of our pro customers and enhance our relationship with them beyond a strong managed WordPress offering. Overall, our strategy is straightforward. WordPress is the largest CMS in the world with a market share of over 60% and growing. Pros know WordPress and prefer WordPress, and our vision is all about making it seamless and intuitive while retaining all its power and flexibility. We are not interested in forcing pros to use a different tool. That sounds like a job for Sisyphus. While it is exciting to talk about new offerings like Commerce and GoDaddy Pro, under these exciting new businesses is the solid foundation of our domains business. And that is the third priority I want to talk to you about. For years, we have outgrown the domains industry with innovative ideas and execution in both the primary and secondary market. That growth isn't going away anytime soon. Recently, we added GoDaddy Corporate Domains and GoDaddy Registry, which promise to offer new and existing customers with innovative solutions, but that isn't all. Our fine team has really stepped up their experimentation velocity. These are the folks that run the search algorithm on GoDaddy.com. 
we are building an adaptive user experience which leverages multiple inputs, including the customer's profile, the query, its context, the available results, and also available add-ons to make sure customers see the options and bundles that will create the most value. Our aftermarket is also seeing tailwinds from the digital transformation of small business. More businesses coming online is resulting in more customers leveraging our domain broker service to help them secure the perfect name for their online presence, even if someone else already owns it. Our new list for sale tool has also seen an incredible first inning. This tool lets customers with unused domain names list them in our aftermarket and in just three months, we've seen over 350,000 domains get listed. The outcome here is a continued acceleration in this business as more customers are matched with better offerings and are exposed to attach opportunities as well. Most of the financial impact of this accelerating innovation in domains is still to come, and we are confident that the outperformance we have seen in this category will continue well beyond 2021. At our scale, innovation like this not only drives growth, but also helps fund exciting new initiatives across the business. I look forward to sharing more on the three priorities I just went through as the year progresses. Before I wrap up, I know that many of you are eager to hear about the results of our Websites Plus Marketing premium offering. In less than a year, it has shown itself to be an area of real promise for GoDaddy. Beginning in the spring of 2020, we conducted a small-scale experiment presenting our freemium offering to a limited number of visitors. Over the course of the year, we steadily increased the number of U.S.-based visitors that would see this offering to approximately 50%, and we are pleased with the results we've seen along the way. Millions of signups and solid conversion rates that we're happy to note are higher than what we have seen elsewhere in the industry. There is certainly more to be done and this is an exciting outcome as we work to make freemium a tailwind to our business for years to come. Looking at 2021, while there are many unknowns and many things we plan to accomplish, we continue to see evidence in our business that supports aggressive forward momentum. As Ray will share, through focused execution, GoDaddy delivered a strong result in 2020 in the face of many challenges. Our core strategy of creating value for customers and converting it to shareholder value over time is working. We are evolving as a company and are in a fantastic spot as we enter into 2021. With that, here's Ray. Hey, thanks, Oman. I'll touch on the fourth quarter financial results and our outlook for 2021. Despite the operational challenges caused by the pandemic, we delivered a strong performance in 2020. We added 1.4 million net new customers, nearly double the number added in 2019. This was complemented by a decrease in our already low customer churn rates and resiliency in subscription renewal rates as our products and services became even more valuable to our customers. Full-year revenue grew 11% year-over-year, while unlevered free cash flow was up 12%, even as we invested more in marketing to capture higher demand in the market. We also took advantage of the opportunities created by the uncertainty, deploying $1.8 billion in capital, adding capabilities for customers, and creating value for shareholders. Turning to the fourth quarter results, we saw continued acceleration in top line. Bookings grew to $943 million, rising 13% year-over-year on a reported and constant currency basis. 
as FX had little impact on the quarter. Growth was broad-based with a continued strength across product categories. Revenue came in at $874 million, outperforming expectations and growing 12% year-over-year. Business applications was again our fastest-growing product line, increasing 20% year-over-year on continued strength in branded email and productivity solutions. Domains accelerated to 14% growth as new registrations, renewals, and aftermarket sales remained strong, along with a modest contribution from GoDaddy Registry. And finally, hosting and presence grew over 5% in the fourth quarter. We continue to see terrific growth in our website creation platform products, though the strength was tempered somewhat by the headwinds from the GoDaddy Social Service due to the elimination of the outbound sales motion in June. The key metrics underlying our growth have remained consistently strong. ARPU rose to $166, up 5% year-over-year, while the customer base grew 7%. Unlever free cash flow for the quarter was $181 million and $825 million for the full year. This reflected good operating leverage in the P&L, as well as reduced capital expenditures for corporate real estate and infrastructure as we transition more workloads to the cloud. Gross margin remained in the mid-60s in the quarter, consistent with our expectations. We continued to ramp investment in marketing to capture increasing demand, resulting in a $40 million year-over-year increase in marketing expense. As we mentioned last quarter, we've been able to elevate investment while remaining within our targeted return metrics, even as we saw increased competition in performance advertising channels. On the balance sheet, we finished the year with $765 million in cash, in total liquidity of nearly $1.4 billion. Net debt landed at $2.4 billion, putting net leverage at 2.6 times on a trailing 12-month basis, illustrating our ability to deleverage quickly. The strength and resilience of our recurring business model has fueled a strong balance sheet, enabling us to execute across our capital allocation priorities. During 2020, we completed four acquisitions, repurchased nearly 6% of our outstanding equity, at average prices substantially below today's stock price, and settled the TRA at an attractive valuation, removing an overhang, toning the stock. All proof points that we have the flexibility to take advantage of opportunity as it arises. Rest assured, we'll continue to be prudent allocators of capital in the pursuit of long-term growth and levered free cash flow per share. As we look to the future, continued growth in cash flow and a strong balance sheet will provide us with the flexibility to deploy roughly $5 billion in capital through 2023. Moving on to our outlook for 2021, we expect to deliver revenue of approximately $3.7 billion, representing growth of 12% versus 2020. From a product category perspective, we expect double-digit growth in domains, high single-digit growth in hosting and presence, and high teens growth in business applications. This guidance includes $20 million in revenue we expect from the recent acquisition of Point. As for Q1, we started the year off on pace and expect to deliver revenue of $885 million, representing 12% growth versus last year. We expect 2021 unlevered free cash flow of approximately $945 million, or 15% growth versus 2020. This guidance reflects continued investment in marketing and product, plus $20 million in net dilution from point as we build out our capabilities in commerce this year. Finally, I'd like to provide some additional modeling points for the full year 2021. We expect bookings to grow at a rate similar to revenue and normalized EBITDA margin to be roughly flat as compared to 2020. We expect capital expenditures of approximately $65 million, 
income tax payments of $25 million, and cash interest payments of $100 million, based on current debt outstanding and today's forward rate expectations. We announced my retirement today, and I want to thank all of you who've been along for the ride. I've had an incredibly rewarding career and feel blessed to have been able to top it off here at GoDaddy. It's been my privilege to serve with this amazing group of people dedicated to such a noble mission. We navigated a lot of change as GoDaddy has evolved into a truly customer-centric company, obsessed with creating value for customers, employees, and shareholders. This last year was challenging for a lot of people, but also very rewarding as I've been able to witness our leadership team taking bold, decisive, and strategically sound actions that helped our customers and employees through an incredibly turbulent year. As for what's next, I plan to be deeply engaged in the search for a successor, and I'll stay on to ensure a smooth transition. I look forward to speaking with all of you again next quarter. With that, we'll have Christy Mason from IR team open up the call for questions. Thanks, Ray. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please use the raise hand feature at the bottom of your webinar screen to be added to the queue and unmute your line. Our first question comes from the line of Ron Josie from JMP Securities. Ron, please go ahead. Great. Thanks, Christy. And Ray, congrats on the decision. We'll miss you, though. We have a few quarters of teams, and, and Happy New Year, Amon. I wanted to ask two questions, maybe, Amon, on commerce. That was the first pillar that you mentioned uh, as a focus area. And with Point Now, websites and marketing adoption of in the millions, I think, um, new EC templates. I think I heard $23 billion in GMV, $7 billion of which through websites and marketing. I just Can you talk to us a little bit more how you view e-commerce unfolding across GoDaddy going forward? The tools appear to, pe- appear to be in place. You got the scale, so what's next? And then, um, Ray, just real quick on the guidance with EBITDA, flat year-over-year, and I'm assuming that's just continued investments in marketing and product. Is that a way to think about it? Thank you. Ron, thanks for the question. And, yes, commerce continues to be our, our number one priority. And you're right. You, you laid it out really well. You know, with websites plus marketing in place, Celebrite also growing quickly, which you didn't mention, uh, also a huge opportunity for us in the WooCommerce space. You know, we, we haven't talked about that much, but you know about the Skyverge acquisition that is helping us bring a program that we call a new Woo um, that we'll talk about in the future as well. So, yeah, all those things coming together, point adding those core capabilities as a payment f- facilitator, invoicing, point of sale. And the idea is to bring all those pieces together and continue the pace of acceleration. You know, if you just look at GMV for Websites Plus Marketing and Cellbrite, the number, annualized number we gave you last quarter was much lower than the one you're seeing today. And that itself represents sort of quarter over quarter acceleration. Hey, Ron, it's Ray. Appreciate the, uh, the kind words first, but, uh, oh, normalized margin, our normalized EBITDA margin, uh, we're holding that flat year over year, which we're pretty pleased with given the investment we're going to put in place, uh, both in product, uh, point will be a big piece of that. You know, I mentioned in the call comments that we've got net dilution of about 20 million uh, around commerce and it will continue to invest more in marketing this year as well. So those are the two big drivers, uh, on normalized EBITDA margin. That's great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Our next question comes from the line of Egal Iranian from Wedbush. Egal, please go ahead. Egal, please unmute yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for the questions and uh, echo the sentiment on Ray. Congrats. Uh, we'll certainly miss you in big shoes to fill. Um, I guess a couple of questions. So, uh, on any first, if we could just, um, you know, Aman, you, you, you gave some good commentary around ProHub. 
Um, maybe we could talk about the go-to-market strategy, um, you know, the, I guess marketing around that, um, how, the, how the sale, uh, sales and customer service team will kind of, you know, help, help drive that, that initiative. And um, can you also talk about how many pros versus, um, you know, DIYers are, you know, using your, your services today? And so kind of maybe a little bit more just big picture around how, how that evolves. And then, you know, domains, um, I think, outperformed, and you talked a little bit about some of what's driving that. Um, so today, just how is the, the, the new star acquisition, um, the, the, the synergies you're seeing there, how much is that contributing? Can you talk about um, some of the things that you put in place specifically from that acquisition and um, how that can add to, to growth, um, you know, in the coming years? Yeah, thanks, Igor. Happy to take that. Um, on pros, let, let's start with the numbers because I think that was sort of in the middle of your questions. We have about one and a half million pros as part of our 21 million customers. So we already have a lot of pros that engage with us, uh, you know, on a daily basis, but we know that the opportunity is, is much, much larger. And what the pro hub is about is it was about going to the pro saying, what do you guys need in terms of the interface? And then building that in a manner that works best for them. And the go-to-market strategy around it, you know, there's a GoDaddy Pro program that is all about pro signing up and getting benefits, benefits that over time, you know, grow. And there's a marketing campaign now in place in the U.S. that is getting word out to say, hey, here's all these new things. There's the new experience where you can do a whole lot. You've got project management tools. You've got care with a click through messaging. There are guides in the background who have – there are more guides in number they have higher level of training, and they can execute on more asks from the pros than ever before because we've sort of opened up the aperture of what they can do. So it's it's the combination of both of all of those things that, that we're really excited about. And then in terms of sales and marketing, no doubt, you know, care will continue to play a role there. But this is not an outbound motion. You know, what we're really seeing is that pros want to engage with us on the web. They want to engage with care through messaging. They want to move things quickly. They don't even want to wait two minutes for a page to load. They don't want to spend hours updating their sites. They want it done in one click. And those are the type of capabilities we're opening up here. And then on domains, uh, you know, Ray will take the sort of contribution for Newstar. But just to remind you, you know, it's still super early for us with Newstar. The innovation that we plan to bring to the table is all about having the full stack, being able to innovate on the registry side and the registrar side and bring new offerings. And, and I've talked about that a little bit in the past. So I'll turn it to Ray to just talk about synergies and contribution as you asked. Yeah, mine hit it on the head. This was more about the strategy and verticalization on on uh, domains. This is a future benefit to us uh, as we get more control over the domain cost, which is one of our largest costs in P&L. If you think about contribution to the top line, you um, the purchase accounting uh, impacts for Newstar absolutely muted the impacts on, on the top line. Um, if you're looking year over year, 21 contribution, uh, inorganic contribution from Newstar is going to be, you know, roughly half a point uh, on the top line. Great. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Our next question comes from the line of Jason Helfstein from Oppenheimer Company. Jason, please go ahead. Thanks. Um, I kind of want to ask about acquisitions um, and then uh, leverage. Um, so, so first, you know, um, Point uh, was obviously a very strategic acquisition, but not particularly expensive. 
Um, you know, if we think relative to the amount of free cash flow you guys generate a year, um, you know, if we think about kind of your acquisition pipeline, would you say more of the acquisitions look like point in size or are you potentially looking at some things that might be bigger? And then if, if, if not bigger, um, you know, again, given the amount of free cash flow you generate um, and how, you know, the company is just very well positioned, you're seeing very good customer retention, why not leverage up, particularly in this environment? It's probably the number one question we get investors. Why not run this business at, you know, three and a half to four times leverage um, and just accelerate kind of the free cash flow per share return to shareholders? Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Maybe I'll start and Ray can come at the end of that. Uh, one, I, I love the idea that, you, you know, that you agree that point is a strategically important acquisition and it wasn't very expensive. Those are great acquisitions. I love them. But to answer your question, you know, we are looking the whole spectrum, Jason. We absolutely agree that M&A is a core part of our strategy. It's in my DNA. It's in the company's DNA. Um, we're good at it. We've done it before. But, you know, as we're out there looking at the assets, it's, as you know, it's a competitive <laughs> or a sort of difficult time in the marketplace. And we're trying to make sure that the assets we look at truly form part of the advantage we want to create. Because at the end of the day, what we're looking to have is that simple, intuitive experience, right? There's, there isn't a million things I talk about, right? I'm talking about ease of use. I'm talking about saving people time. I'm talking about products, interfaces that truly are magical that lead to high NPS. And, all the acquisitions we're doing or looking at, big or small, have to fit into that fold. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have anyone think that we're not interested in large acquisitions. We absolutely are. We're just, we've got a formula. We're working it. And, you know, should the opportunities appear, you'll find us at the table. And, Ray, I'll turn it to you for levering up and such. Yeah, Jason, when I think about leverage, right, we've um, we've had a targeted two to four times leverage since we've been public. And, We've been at the very top of that range when the opportunity uh, presented itself. And, you know, we've been more about balancing our capital allocation priorities. Uh, you saw every flavor of it in 2020, right? We leaned into marketing, put a lot of money into organic growth uh, because the opportunity presented itself. We closed on four acquisitions last year. We bought back stock and we also settled the TRA. So we're really using that cash flow, that incredibly strong, uh, and consistent cash flow that you talked about uh, to drive significant returns for the company. Uh, and if we do see the opportunity to Mon's point, uh, we are certainly not uh, hesitant to take up leverage to four times. Thank you. And Ray will uh, miss you. It's been fun. But I sound hey. like we, you've got at least one more quarter with you. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it, man. Our next question comes from the line of Drew Glazer from J.P. Morgan. Drew, please go ahead. Hey, this is Drew on First Sterling. Thanks for taking my question. I was wondering if you could provide some more color on how much of the 2021 revenue growth is coming from acquisitions. Hey, Drew, it's Ray. Um, when you look at the inorganic contribution on an incremental basis in 21, uh, it's about a point, right? 20 million or so that's coming from point. I just mentioned on, um, uh, I think it was a guy's question earlier. Uh, that New Star is about another half a point there. So those are the two biggies that are contributing, and it, it uh, you know, it, it's around that uh, one-point one contribution. Got it. Thank you. You bet. Our next question comes from the line of Nick Jones from City. Nick, please go ahead. 
Great, thanks for taking the questions. Uh, there's one on, on you know, premium. Um, as you roll it out to more, uh, uh, you know, visitors to the site and people are, are converting to the premium offering, is there, are you losing any potential sub to, you know, enter the premium and then eventually convert? And then I guess what is kind of the timing to conversion um, for premium? Like once they kind of set up a site to when they convert to a paying sub? Yeah, Nick, it, well, it wasn't to- the question wasn't totally clear, but I think I, I caught most of it. Uh, on freemium, you know, what we're seeing is that customers do come in and the, the metrics we're looking at include seven day conversion and 90 day conversion, right? There isn't necessarily a fixed number of, you know, where everyone kind of makes a decision or not. We, you continue to see sort of the tail of people converting over time. Both the seven day and 90 day, especially as we got into later in the year on the 90 day, conversion, we started to have a few cohorts that were reasonable size, and we continued to sort of see, uh, you know, stable conversion in that 90-day realm, which is which is what we talked about. Uh, in terms of, and I didn't fully catch this part of your question, but I think the objective of freemium for us is to open up the aperture to allow our customers without friction to try our products, right? We fundamentally believe that whether you look at websites plus marketing or Cellbrite, which we also turned freemium um, last year, the value that customers get compared to the price that we charge, really there's a tremendous amount of value. And we want to remove any hesitation customers have of trying to use those products. You know, these products are built from the ground up to the exact needs of our customers. And if we feel we open up the aperture, get more customers to try it, that over time it's just going to build a greater and greater battery that, you know, leads to better financial outcomes over time. Great, great. And, and one follow-up on M&A, you know, you laid out green, create, grow, manage. You know, as we look at 2021, you know, where you know, where do you feel kind of the strongest pipeline is or where's kind of the focus in terms of potential uh, M&A across the TAMs you laid out at the Investor Day? Thanks. Yeah, our priorities on M&A are aligned with our broader priorities as a company, Nick. Um, and those priorities simply are, you know, we are the leader in dream and we absolutely have some amount of attention there. We're making great progress in create and that's fantastic, but we're putting disproportionate amount of time and energy resources into grow. And that's what our M&A team, that's how our M&A team is prioritizing as well, because actually create and grow are more and more working together. And that's a massive opportunity. You know, when we talk about our $180 billion TAM, um, you know, Huge percentage of that is within the growth phase, so that that's where the majority of our energy is. Our next question comes from the line of Aaron Kessler from Raymond James. Aaron, please go ahead. I'm mute there. Great. Uh, just, uh, maybe on Q4 net sub growth, I think I saw the 1.4 million or so for the year. Any color on Q4 net subs and maybe the linearity of the quarter? Um, and then also just MA for Ray, uh, and congrats on just taking some time off here. And then, uh, the cloud transition, maybe any updates on that and how maybe just incremental costs with kind of a uh, dual sourcing right now as well. If you can lay that out. Thank you. Hey, Aaron, I'll take both of those. Uh, and Monica can come over if I don't hit something. Um, when you look at Q4 customer growth, uh, still seeing, uh, record type levels. Um, the momentum's been good and momentum's carried on, uh, into January. So, um, nothing, nothing different in the trajectory that we've seen at this point. Uh, with cloud, you saw some of the impact of cloud uh, in 2020. Uh, 
showing up or manifesting itself in lower capital expenditures uh, because we have continued to move workloads into the cloud. That is putting pressure on the tech and dev line. That's one of the investments we're making there. But if you recall back when we signed our, our contract with AWS, we were going to manage this thing to a cash basis, you know, and that's what we're continuing to do. And that's one of the reasons we use unlever free cash flow as our key metric there is the balance uh, from normalized EBITDA down there uh, obviously includes the CapEx uh, versus the OpEx up in the P&L. Got it. Great. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Mark Zagudowitz from Rosenblatt Securities. Mark, please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, just to follow up on, on your uh, premium content or comment, is it safe to say that the 90-day conversion um, – you hope to do uh, hope to improve upon, and, and if so, what you know potentially are the the missing pieces there, and if point can help. Uh, and then uh, appreciated the the commentary in your presentation highlighting returns on your marketing spend last year. Just curious how those compared to the prior year, and as you look into 21, uh, sort of what uh, considerations you're making in terms of absolute or relative spend, uh, and how point. Uh, you know, perhaps fits into that picture. Thanks. Yeah, let me take premium and a little bit on the marketing spend, and perhaps Ray wants to come in on that as well. Um, on premium, I'll actually go back to the comments, Mark, that in the prepared comments. You know, what we're seeing in terms of conversion is a rate that's higher than what we see in the industry. So, you know, of course, it's still early in in the journey for us, but that's that's really good. That That's really comforting. You know, it sort of... Uh, puts to bed a certain set of concerns that people may have had. But, you know, when I look at being able to improve conversion over time, absolutely, you know, we have people dedicated to doing that. But for me, the biggest thing is I want to get it out broader and broader and broader, right? I'd like to have it at 100% in the U.S. soon. I'd like to go global with it. And that, that's where I'm really pushing the team because we know that at the end of the day, it's about attracting more people to our products and getting them to use our products. Because once they use our products, people see that we have something differentiated to offer, that it works in a manner that they didn't fully understand that GoDaddy would have that offering. And then in terms of marketing, you know, Ray, Ray can talk a little bit about, um, you know, the numbers and the unit economics and how, you know, we've continued to sort of maintain our benchmarks and months to break even. But I'd like to give you a little context of how I think about the marketing spend. And the approach there is that is one of, you know, that you want to spend up in marketing. And as you spend up, you have to continually improve your measurement, your ability to bid, you know, your ability to sort of get into more and more channels. And as you do that and you improve your internal capabilities to market better, you can then spend even more in marketing. And I've talked about sort of this idea of improvement and growth and improvement and spend in the past, and it's something that I have experienced with, and I, you know, I'm pretty pleased with what, what I'm seeing in terms of GoDaddy uh, in 2020 and what we have forecasted for 2021. Yeah, I think if you look at, at what we've been spending on marketing, it's, you know, roughly 13% of revenue in 2020, uh, but it's discipline, right? We're disciplined in the approach, we're disciplined in the execution and delivering the P&L, uh, and the P&L in totality. You know, we've got a really good track record of investing in marketing over time with good returns. Our, you know, Mom mentioned the strong unit economics that we've got. Uh, and we're always challenging the team to stretch uh, and look at that next marginal customer at an acceptable return. 
is that it is all about balance. But when we do see that, uh, we extend the payback period. Uh, and, you know, that does create more risk, uh, uh, or higher risk profile for us because it does hit the bottom line in the short term. Uh, but for the right paybacks, we're willing to do that. Uh, and you might have noticed in the slides that we put out with the earnings, we put a new slide in for marketing uh, with a different um, lens on how we see the returns. Uh, so go take a look at that. But, you know, in, in uh, summary, we did, you know, roughly 85 cents in incremental bookings and 45 cents in incremental gross profit in 2020 for every dollar that we spent on marketing and, and, and advertising. So that um, when you compare that against others in the industry, uh, that's going to sh- going to going to shape up pretty darn well. Okay, thanks much. Our next question comes from the line of Brent Phil from Jefferies. Brent, please go ahead. Brent, please unmute yourself. Oh, okay. It took a couple of clicks. Uh, this is John Dion on behalf of Brent Phil. Thank you. Um, when you look at the, the newer products, uh, websites plus marketing and managed WordPress, uh, is there any way to think about, you know, what the relative size and growth rates are between the two of them? Yeah, we gave you a, a, a kind of a view into those website creation products last quarter with an ARR of $350 million growing in the high 30s, and we have continued to see strong growth on both of those metrics. That's helpful, but is there a way to differentiate between the two at all? I don't know if it's a indication between the pro and DIY at all. Both are growing strongly. Uh, you know, obviously, we've put a lot more shoulder into websites and marketing recently. We heard Amon's comments earlier. You know, one of the things with Point that is going to help us there is continuing to push on commerce, uh, which will stretch into the, the managed WordPress uh, and WooCommerce offering as well. Great. Thanks. For, thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Navid Khan from Truist. Navid, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Uh, a, a couple of questions, if I may. Um, in terms of uh, just your outlook, uh, what are you baking in in terms of uh, uh, potential synergies from points integration, integration maybe later on? in the year uh, into your e-commerce uh, packages. And then uh, another question, just guidance related as well. Uh, how should we think about the the drag from the social and outbound uh, for this year? Uh, is it material? If if it is, then can you just call it out? Thanks. Yeah, it, um, when you think about point synergies, um, you know, we, we've given you guys some guidance around the top line and the bottom line there. It's going to be an investment year for Point. Um, as we integrate it into our offering, we'll be uh, spending money on marketing, spending money on product, uh, as well as experimenting uh, across the front of the site with that. So that will be dilutive uh, to the tune of $20 million in, in 21. Uh, on social, think about that being a, a headwind through the first half and less so in the back post our decision to um, take out the outbound calling motion. So first quarter will be the highest headwind, uh, and then it starts to diminish as we move through the, the back half. Got it. And then maybe just a quick clarification on the on the, on the synergy comment, uh, Ray. Um, so the, the curve you kind of 
gave us at the time of acquisition, I think it's around 150 million in bookings by 2023. Uh, should we expect any kind of revenue synergies to emerge this year at all or, or not? Yeah, you'll see some, but th- this year is going to be a lot more focused on getting it to market, right? Payments will be first, but it's certainly not going to be linear. Um, next year, 2022, will be more of the go-to-market strategy and starting to drive revenue. Uh, and then our expectation is we'll start to scale in year three. Uh, and that, you know, number that we put out there of 150 and uh, 23 is should be a conservative number based off of what we're looking at. That's true. Thank you, Ray. You bet. Our next question comes from a line of Clark Jeffries from Piper Sandley. Sandler. Clark, please go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Clark on for Brent. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, I, I wanted to circle back to domains growth, you know, 14%, another uh, quarter of acceleration. Just, just wanted to dig in there. What is driving that growth? Is that all the primary market? And, and you know, if so, you know, I see the .com and .net registrations came down in Q4, but still at elevated levels. I guess what is giving you the confidence for that guidance of, you know, double-digit growth for domain in, in 2021? And will there be any contribution from the, the new products of corporate domains or, or anything like that that will uh, be an offset? Yeah, we've been really pleased with the performance in domains, uh, closing out 2020 with really solid growth. Uh, and then obviously you saw the guide into 2021 continuing to see good strength. Uh, and it is broad based. That's the beauty of that business. Uh, Amon mentioned earlier, we own dream, the dream phase of the customer journey. Uh, so it's strength across primary registrations. Renewals have been strong. Uh, we've got aftermarket that is really doing well as we continue to uh, improve the customer experience, but also the merchandising on front of site. Uh, and, and then last, there is a modest contribution from registry that I mentioned earlier, roughly a half a point on total revenue in 2021. Got it. Thank you. And and now that point is closed, I just was wondering if you could frame the, the journey that comes. Sorry. Uh, could you fra- frame the, uh, the journey for that company to become the payment facilitator and how, how much are they offering their own payment solution versus a third-party processor? And will you aggressively move to the internal solution for sort of uh, digital-only commerce? Yeah, when we look at Point, Clark, the you know, obviously Point today has a, sort of a go-to-market strategy that's through a, a channel, distribution channel. But when, when you see Point and GoDaddy together, obviously with GoDaddy's brand and 21 million customers, and lots of folks being attracted to us with websites plus marketing, managed WordPress, which include sort of commerce on both sides. You know, we're, we're, what we're excited about is bringing those pieces together and using the capabilities GoDaddy has. And, and we have multiple capabilities there, Clark. We have the opportunity to go direct to customers, right? Because people know GoDaddy, they come into the sales path, they, they notice that the capabilities are aware and it's seamless, it's integrated. You know, that, that works super well. We also work, like I said, with one and a half million designers and developers, right? As we make the WooCommerce and WordPress ecosystems easier for them to use and we integrate these capabilities of payments and others into that experience, we think there's a great channel there for us to work with customers that we already have that work with other folks and give them the right incentives to, to sort of continue to fuel that pipeline. You know, and then we always have care, right? We, we continue to have folks that call us, message us, 
and you know, although again, we, we, we believe less in the outbound motion, so we're not talking about that, about doing that, but we do have a huge amount of inbound coming to us and that'll continue to be a avenue of growth for us as well. So, you know, the incremental effort, the investment that we're putting in here, uh, we think it's, it's fantastic, right? And in terms of, I think your question around using our internal systems, Point is already a payment facilitator, so we will be doing this ourselves, right? It will not be, that part will not be with a third party. Makes perfect sense. Thank you very much. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please use the raise hand feature at the bottom of the webinar screen to be added to the queue. Our next question comes from the line of Egal Iranian. Uh, Egal, please go ahead again. Hey, uh, thanks for taking one more. Um, I wanted to come back to, to commerce um, and, and just ask, you know, with with the point acquisition, um, you know, maybe with some of what you're doing around ProHub and, you know, the, the, the greater focus just around commerce over the past year and, and into the next year, you guys have uh, always talked about your core customer as being the micro business. Um, does this change that at all? Or, you know, is it still kind of the same type of business, but, you know, those that are more, more focused on commerce and, you know, where, where do you see, um, you know, what's becoming, uh, you know, maybe I won't call it crowded, but a, 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 at least a more crowded, um, you know, commerce um, software uh, arena. Where do you guys see yourselves kind of competing the most? Thanks. Yeah, you know, we are still laser focused on our customer segment. You know, this, these are the micro businesses or the small of the small businesses, folks that have 20 employees or less, 10 employees or less. And in 2020, they have had to pivot online very, very quickly. I mean, I, I don't need to explain that to you. I think you guys know that very, very well. But let me tell you just, just a small story. You know, we, we did a, uh, we have a customer in the UK. Uh, they make vegan pies and the place is called Magpie and they they just have a fantastic product and we got to know them. We love the, love the folks that run Magpie and our marketing team decided to have, uh, to showcase them in one of our marketing campaigns. You should check out the ad, it's, it's phenomenal. Well, here was what I imagine was a local, you know, pie place where, where people in the same neighborhood probably came to them and bought pies from them. Well, the day they went live in our advertising, now they're shipping pies all over the UK, right? By definition, they are now a company that is online. And we think that opportunity exists for every micro business. Right. The Internet is the great equalizer. It allows customers to reach these micro businesses. And with the tool set, with the guidance we offer in care, these micro businesses can absolutely provide the experience to their customers that is professional, that does the job in a manner that leaves their customers impressed. So to your question, are we focused on our customer segment? Absolutely. We're building all our products ground up for those for those customers. And all those customers are going online. In our research, they clearly show that they want commerce and they want it online because any one of them can be like Mike Pai. Very helpful, and thanks for taking another question. Thanks, Agal. Our next question comes from the line of James Wu. James, please go ahead. Hey, guys. This is actually Trevor on um, from the Barclays team. Um, your hosting and presence guidance for the full year is high single digit, while um, 1Q is mid single digit, implying acceleration throughout the year. 
Is that just a matter of the, the tougher comp in one queue or the abating impact from social and outbound as the year progresses? Thanks. Yeah, Trevor, it's right. It, it, you answered your own question there. It's a, exactly that. It's the last year pre-COVID social was growing. Uh, and in second quarter, we started seeing the impact. And then obviously, uh, beginning in uh, early July, we took out the, um, the outbound calling motion. So that's the progression you'll see as you move through 2021. But the uh, implication in that guide is that uh, we will see high single digits uh, in that line item this year. So could you exit the year at double-digit rates? Could, yes. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Chris Kutarich from Deutsche Bank. Chris, please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, just going back to the question before last, um, you had um, talked about really how you guys' core focus is still on the businesses with 10 to 20 employees, the, the micro SMB segment. How do you think about driving more value in the product to the lower end, specifically on the e-commerce product side versus driving value at the higher end uh, just through the lens of the websites plus marketing subscriptions. How do you think about driving pricing leverage and value to those customers differently? That is. Thanks. Yeah, Chris, these customers, you know, we can definitely differentiate certain items and say, look, here are certain features that are better for these customers, create more value. And we have, we have tiers that, you know, different customers can adopt, but I'd like to just bring it back to the idea that, most of these customers are going online and doing commerce online in a significant way for the first time. Uh, even the base set of features, they need those to be super simple. And what they really need is when they're confused to call someone and to get it to work just to the, just the way they want it. You know, we've given the example in the past and I'll, I'll share a little bit of an update on it. You know, we talked about how for the super small customers, the templates that create a one page commerce site, when we created the first one, it just took off. It became the biggest thing, right? We've now added more templates and we find all of our customers sort of going towards those templates because even when I, I hate to call them bigger customers, but you know, even customers that have, that have 20 employees are learning their way through e-commerce. And, you know, immediately they want a set of things where they're having trouble managing their inventory and they're calling us. They're having trouble taking their, what they're doing in the store to online and they need help and we're there or they want, or they want to manage between their online in store and what they're selling on the major platforms. And it's that feedback that we're taking. We're saying, okay, clearly these customers need the same thing, which is they want from one place to be able to sell in their store, sell on their website and sell on any platform. And hence you saw the point acquisition, us bringing together websites plus marketing, Sellbrite that we already own, and the point capabilities, because we know that it works across the spectrum of customers we have. And it's not really about truly separating out the value of sort of the top end of that or the bottom end of that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'll turn the call over to Aman for some closing remarks. Thank you, Christy. I'll just end uh, with a thank you to all GoDaddy employees all around the world. Uh, 2020 brought many challenges for many of us at a personal level, and I feel like every person leaned in uh, to produce these fantastic results. Thank you all again for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you next quarter.